Welcome to Pick Up and Deliver, the podcast where I pick up my audio recorder as I step off the train and deliver an episode to you while I walk home. I'm Brendan Riley. Well, good evening, listeners. It is a lovely day here in suburban Chicago. The weather has turned and the sun is out, giving the snow on the ground the run for its money, even if it is still chilly enough that I'm wearing a hat and mittens. I'm enjoying my walk home, and I think it's a perfect opportunity to talk to you about a few games I've played recently. That's right, it's time for Shooting from the Hip Triple Shot. First one of the year. So I am going to have a number of games to discuss with you over the next few episodes because with the delay uh, since with the time off, that hasn't slowed down my game playing. So here we go. Glad to share this with you. So to start with, I wanted to talk about Kingdom Rush, A Rift in Time. Now, I think I mentioned that each year for Christmas, the Christmas Game Master brings each member of my family a game to Uh, add to the collection, but also to be sort of their game for the year. And the game that my son got was Kingdom Rush, A Rift in Time. Kingdom Rush is from Lucky Dot Games, and it is a a tower defense game based around the popular app of the same name. In this game, you are one of a member, you are a part of a team of superheroes commanding towers of different kinds of defenders who are attacking various invaders and trying to keep them from destroying your castle. Uh, The way the game plays is that you have these trays of villains, these villain cards that you draw, and they are on these trays and they slide down this row that you're attacking with. And each of the little towers that you have and the heroes that you have can do various kinds of attacks. But as you're doing that, you can also take damage and you have to upgrade your towers. And in order to upgrade your towers, you can't use them. So there's a certain amount of balancing. There are also these sort of portal cards that come through occasionally. And while while the enemies are just trying to get to your gate, and if they get to your gate, they'll do damage, the portal cards are super important in that if they get to your gate, you lose. Uh, And once you've defeated three of them, you win. So they're kind of the essential piece and the other parts are there that uh, they just sort of get in your way. Uh, the graphic design for this game is very much in the spirit of the app. It uses art assets from the app and gives you powers that are very similar to those in the game. Uh, each character gets a slightly different set of app of uh, powers, and you use them in, like I said, attacking these trays of enemies. Now, this part is... I think this part's kind of neat. So the tray of enemies has a variety of spaces on it that represent enemies. And the different kinds of attacks that you have are represented by different small polyomino tiles of various shapes and sizes. And so when you, say, place a tower to attack the invading wave, the tower's attack comes in the form of these small tetra or small polyomino tiles which you then place on the tray covering up some of the enemies depicted therein once all the enemies have been covered up then the tray is defeated and removed from the game 
to make room for other trays that are marching in. Uh, the trickiest part of the game is that if you have a tray that, that can't move, which you can block a tray by putting one of your heroes on it, they take a damage, but they can keep the tray from moving. However, if you, however, if you have a tray that doesn't move, then any other tray that tries to move into that space will just jump over it and keep going. So it actually can be counterproductive to pin down a tray. But often since your heroes, especially if you have either the melee heroes, they do a significant amount of damage by themselves just being on the tray. We've played a couple times so far. It's fine. It's not probably a game I would choose for myself, uh, nor a game I would probably pick to play all that often. But neither of those things is really important because the game was is for my son and he really likes it. Uh, it looks like we probably will be continuing to play the campaign uh, as time goes forward and we'll be finding out can we stop the rift in time and the rush in the kingdom. We'll find out. Uh, I will say on our second play the game was much more fun than the first play. We clarified a couple rules that we had been getting wrong but also just the first play was basically a tutorial so the second play was much more along the lines of what we could expect the game to be regularly. So the second game I wanted to talk about in my shooting from the hip episode today is a game by one of my favorite designers. That's right, it's Martin Wallace's Lincoln. Now Lincoln is a game I've got I got I backed on Kickstarter from Worthington Publishing, I believe, in the days when I was pretty heavily buying everything Martin Wallace does, which obviously, given that I just picked up Wildlands, I, I'm still buying plenty of Martin Wallace output. I did get both Wildlands and Anno 1800 last year, although I skipped Rocketman. But Lincoln I mostly got because at the point I was almost being completionist. Uh, and it did seem to be another continuation of Wallace's experiments with different kinds of deck building and area control on boards. So from that perspective, it looked pretty interesting. It also is a two-player only game, which I don't have a ton of. And it had an interesting theme or an interesting premise, which was that uh, it's based on the American Civil War. And in the game, you play either the Confederacy or the Union. And the premise is sort of that the game is simulating not the real war, but rather the North's impression of the war. So Wallace in his notes talks about the fact that the North was actually much, had a much higher superiority of uh, economy and military to the South than they understood or were willing to embrace with. And so the forces were more evenly matched early in the war than they should have been because the North was unwilling to put whatever, put the energy into it. I'm not sure exactly. But the way that plays out in the game is that both the North and the South each get a deck at the start of the game. And each time you go through the deck, you're going to shuffle in a few extra cards from a secondary deck. There's a, a number one deck and a number two deck in addition to your base deck. So after you go through your deck the first time, you're going to shuffle in the number one cards, then the number two cards. Now, if you're the South, once you've, gone, once you've shuffled in the number two cards, if your deck runs out again, then you just shuffle up. You don't get any more cards. You keep going. If you're the North, each time you reshuffle, it's a checkpoint to see how the game is going. So here's the clever bit. 
Uh, both decks involve a reduction of resources when you recruit units. So there's a variety of different things you can do, but two of the main things are recruiting units and uh, adjusting the Europe track. When you do either of those things, the Europe track representing sort of support from Europe for the Confederacy, whenever you do either of those things, you, the card that you played in order to do that gets discarded out of the game. So you have like a cemetery, I mean that's not what it's called, but you have a out of the game area and you have a discard pile. The discard pile will be used when you reshuffle your deck. The out of game area, obviously the, the cards are out of the game. So every time you deploy units and every time you recruit help from Europe, you are actually reducing the size of your deck. And remember that uh, when you reshuffle your deck, that's just less stuff you have the next time, the next time through. So it is really a, a painful choice there. The way that the game plays out, the north and the south, uh, the south wins basically by uh, either outmaneuvering the north quickly or holding out against, basically preventing the north from doing too much progress. So the way that works is, each time the North finishes going through their deck, there's a checkpoint, and they have to have a certain number of points on the board. If they don't, then the South wins instantly. So at the, the first time through your deck, as the North, if you haven't gotten two points by the end of the first round, the South wins. If by the time you get through your deck the second time, you haven't gotten five points, or you aren't holding five points, the South wins. And the third time, it's, I believe, 11 points to win the game. But you also uh, win the game. I think the third one is you have to get 11 points. So once you get to 11 points, you just win. Uh, if you get to the end of your deck and you haven't gotten to 11 points, then you lose. You can also, the South can win in two other ways. One, if they are able to move the Europe track all the way to one end, which they do by winning battles. Or the second way is if they are able to... I thought there was one other thing the South could do to win. Oh, and then, um, and then there's an additional win condition as well. If you're the North, you can win by occupying both uh, Vicksburg and... Uh, crap, Atlanta maybe at the same time. And if you're the South, you can win by taking Washington, D.C. If you manage to take D.C., you win instantly. We played two games of Lincoln. The first one, I was the North, and I sort of didn't really understand some of the nuances yet, and so the South won before that, by that first checkpoint. I did not have two points when we got there. The second game, we switched sides, and we both had a better understanding of the game, which made it much tighter. We played for about an hour, and we got to the second checkpoint. Both the first and the sec second checkpoint the North survived with razor-thin margins, like the North gained their second point and gained their fifth point in their last turn before they had to reshuffle the deck. So it was very tight. We did not play the third phase in our second game because we were going somewhere and we ran out of time. Lincoln is a decent game. I wouldn't call it great, but uh, like all Martin Wallace designs, it's doing something interesting. The deck destruction part is very compelling. The idea that every time you deploy troops, you are reducing... Oh, because of course, these are all multi-use cards. So 
you can use them to deploy troops, but you can also use them to move troops or to, you know, raise money or there's a variety of things you can do with the cards other than deploying troops. But of course, if you don't have enough troops on the board, you aren't going to get anywhere. Um, and every time you deploy troops, that card is out of your deck for good. The other thing about the game that is pretty interesting is the uh, terrible level of casualties that happens in the battle. So generally in the battle, after a battle's over, whichever side lost adds up all of their, they take the number of counters they have on the board, round it and uh, cut it, divide it in half and round up. So if you have four divided, four counters on the board, you're going to lose two of them. What's interesting is this doesn't have to do with the strength of the units. So if you have four strength three units and you lose, you lose two of those strength three units. Whereas if you have a one, a one, a two, and a three, you, would, you could lose the two ones. If you are the winner, you lose half of your units rounded down. So if you had four units, you, you're also losing two units. Now, that, that makes an interesting element where if you're pretty sure you're gonna win, you wanna go in with an odd number of troops because the half rounded down is beneficial. If you think you're gonna lose, you wanna go in with an even number of units because the half rounded up is beneficial. Interestingly, you also are playing a general card, a card with a, a military leader to add points to your strength stack. And those, those have wildly varying numbers of points. So in a small battle, your general could have more points in the battle than all of, the, all of your units. Now they do have a, a safety rule in there that says as the winner, you can't ever lose more units than the losing team lost. So if you go in with like five or six units and your opponent has three, then they would lose two units and you would definitely only lose two, for example. But it still means every battle is incredibly costly. You're going to lose a bunch of units whenever there's a battle, probably whether you win or lose, which is fitting. Lincoln was fine. I, I'm definitely not getting rid of it, both because I'm a Martin Wallace collector and there was some interesting stuff in there to try again at some point. It's definitely not making it into my top 50 list in two years when I do it, uh, but it was a fun play nonetheless. That's Lincoln from Martin Wallace and I believe Phalanx Games. Nope, Worthington Games. All right, the last uh, game that I'm going to talk about today belonged to that same friend who I played Lincoln with. This is my buddy Paul. Hey, Paul. And it arrived like the day before I went over to his place. So we busted it out and gave it a try. And that is the new, the new game from Restoration Games from Rob Davio and Gloomhaven designer Isaac Childress. This is Return to Dark Tower. Now, Return to Dark Tower is designed around the same gimmicky concept that the dark tower was and that you have a big dark tower in the middle of the board and it does stuff to interfere with the game in the original game i think it placed conditions on each side of the board and it made noises and stuff and the new dark tower does those things as well however it's also got physical components that move around it's got these little skulls that you drop in the top that pop out as sort of randomized randomized danger kind of like the cubes you would draw in Pandemic, only these fly out of a tower instead. In the game, you are a 
one of four sort of warriors with magical powers and, and groups of followers, and you are roaming around your land, cleaning up the various blights that are being brought by the enemy in the Dark Tower, and uh, trying to resolve a number of quests in order to defeat that enemy. The game is mostly deterministic in that you are generally going in with knowledge uh, or with set stats and set amounts of things, but the challenges that you'll face are not deterministic. And the way that works is when you go into a challenge, you're going to use this app to draw a certain number of cards. And those cards depict different kinds of challenges based on the type of enemy you're fighting. The stronger the enemy, the more challenges you face. With each challenge, you have to decide whether to, you can either pay the cost to resolve the challenge. Often it's a number of troops that you're going to lose or some other uh, element. Or if you have, there are a couple different ways that you might be able to avoid those dangers. You could spend one of those things to avoid the dangers. Although usually spending a, one thing just reduces the power of the danger. You, you usually need to spend two or three things to reduce the danger, to get rid of it completely. Uh, on a first play, it was pretty fun. It is immaculately designed. It looks beautiful. Uh, it is a kind of fun, goofy, Ameritrashy adventure game, which I had a good time playing, but I'm not... Um, the story wasn't really very compelling to me. I like the adventure aspect of it and the storytelling that goes with it, but ultimately it, it, it was uh, too silly, or it was too light for my taste and not enough strategy. So I enjoyed Return to Dark Tower. I would happily play it if it comes out again, but not really the game for me. So those are the three games that I've tried recently. Have you tried any of them? Head over to Board Game Geek Guild 3269 and join the forums where we talk about the episodes I've made and the games we played. Thanks for joining me on my walk today. I hope that your next walk is as pleasant as mine was. Bye-bye. Brought to you by Rattlebox Games.